to The Night Before, a movie podcast. Each episode, we find a unique place in the city and share a drink and our thoughts about the movie we watched the night before. This is Lee, and I am joined, as always, by my husband, Jesse. Well, here we are again. New episode. At Sideward Brewing we're in, in Orlando. Or- we're in Orlando, Florida. But this is like the winter park oh, kind of neighborhood I area. We were talking about the season. No. no, it's not winter, it's spring. But this is the winter park area of Orlando. Yeah, so it is a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Earlier today. Pretty busy here. Earlier today, busy. we saw everything everywhere all at once. Yes. The latest A24 masterpiece. So this is the day of. Yeah. The night after. The night but of. it's nighttime, so it's night of. <laughs> but no, we're in Sideward Brewing, grabbing a late night brew. Called um, Space Wizard. Space Wizard. It's like a hazy IPA with some like flowery undertones. Oh, yeah. To quote where, you where from did earlier. you get that idea? It's in our pre-show talk. There are flowery undertones. It has a different taste than um, than I'm used to tasting. Mm-hmm. Has like a yeah, a flowery undertone, maybe a little peppery as well. But it's a nice little vibe. We're out. Mm-hmm. Most of their seating's outside. They still have remnants of, or maybe it's been like an all-time thing, like the parking lot COVID seating. Yeah. They have like a lot of picnic tables in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. But we're sitting out on their, they have like a big patio where most people sit. Yes. You can order food. It's a nice brewery. I mean, it's, you know, not a hole-in-the-wall type place. It's a nicer brewery. Yeah. But not big. So, semi No, they definitely small. know what they're doing here. They got it together. Definitely some uh, some investors. Yeah, they definitely have some investors. It's, it's <laughs> well put together. Yeah, they got a, a little operation happening here. Now, so we have that. They have a ton of IPAs on the menu. Maybe we'll get... Another one, we'll see. Maybe, we'll see. We'll see where the night takes We'll see how heated this conversation gets. Ooh. But, um... I think it's going to get juicy. <laughs> like your IPA? And my IPA, and there's something dripping from I think the it's table. just the condensation okay. from the drinks. Like my flowery, juicy, peppery IPA. So we should say, you know a little bit about it, but we now have our uh, first official Lost episode. We do. We We're mourning it. We're not going to try to redo it because it wouldn't be authentic. Yeah, we recorded David Lynch's Blue Velvet, Blue Velvet starring Kyle MacLachlan and Laura Dern. 
but we we did it at a, at a coffee shop. We did at um, the Corner Club. And I thought it was a really good conversation. It was. It was a really good so, conversation. But our first, after like 36 or so episodes, this is our first like corrupted file. Yeah. Audio file. Sure. But what, what I just think I'm going to do, I was able to salvage the last 15 minutes of the episode. Okay. So at the end of this episode, it's just going to, we'll cut to a. To a little clip. It's a clip from Blue Velvet, and it'll be the, the tail end of our conversation. Okay, that sounds good. So it's better than nothing. Just have it out there. So we saw it. Yeah, we saw it at the Tampa Theater. Went and talked about it. Yeah, and but, I think we um, both liked it. We'll just have to hold that in our memory. Yeah. And move on. Okay. Okay, so now we saw everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep. And we kind of just randomly decided on it. So we let fate control our Basically, movie choice. Basically, whatever movie started the soonest, we decided we yeah, would go because see. Because that AMC Stubbs movie pass, A-lister a thing. Yeah. And that was the most, I mean, there wasn't anything starting for a while, you know, another 40 minutes or so. So. Yeah. So we decided on that. And... Um, an A24 movie, so we thought... <laughs> I will say this, this wasn't a movie neither one of us were, were really dying planning to see. to see. No, we weren't. We'd seen the trailer in a couple other movies we'd been in, and I wasn't, like, gung-ho to see it. I wasn't against seeing it, but I wasn't like, we gotta see this. Yeah. Well, yeah, just the whole multiverse idea wasn't, like... Sci-fi kind of thing. ...crazy about seeing, yeah. only because of all the superhero mm -hmm. movies do multiverse right now. Right. And I was like, okay, but well this is going to be a more serious take on the multiverse, which it which it was. Of course, yeah. But at the same time, I wasn't I wasn't connecting with it with the trailer. Um, Me either. I did not connect with the trailer. But I think a good way to I, I thought of a question since we lost our David Lynch episode. We opened it with a question someone posed on Letterbox about David Lynch's Blue Velvet. Uh huh. What was the and I think the similar question of, we could apply to this film. Okay, what was it? I don't remember. Well, the Blue Velvet question was, since Blue, since I, since Blue Velvet is a film directed by David Lynch, yeah. how is one to know if it's a good movie or not? Okay. Which we, which we talked right, about we that Right, we talked about Velvet. that in the Blue Velvet, yeah. So my question is, knowing that... Everything Everywhere All at Once is an A24 film. And directed by the Daniels, who did the Swiss Army Man movie, which we haven't seen, but we know a lot of people like it. But since this is an A24 film, our, how are we to know if it's a good movie or not? Well, I think we've seen enough A24 films at this point to know that there can be a mediocre to not great A24 film. That is true. But they but put there that are a, a lot I made the of, joke at dinner that... I know. They, they put, put the A24 so you know it's good. So you know it's a good movie. So you know you're, so, so you know you're sitting in, in a good movie. And a Did large you, percentage of them are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can we, we could probably rephrase the question. How do you know if it's a good movie or a great movie? Right. <laughs> well, I guess that's all of two... logos that's in there. That's all of two your opinion. Well, how do you know if it's good 
or if it's just overhyped. Because this movie's well, killing it with the not, reviews. I, I, I know. It is killing it with the reviews. So does that give you, before kind of getting into our feelings, when something has really high reviews like this, right? Like as of this recording, a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, on Letterboxd.com, a 4.6 out of 5. Reviews do not influence me. But does that give you pause to say, not to say that you're going to, oh, this is good because everybody else says it, but if, does this give you pause? Like you're halfway through this movie and you're like, it gives me pause to try to what look at I it from more angles. Not, like what, what, are, what is everyone seeing in this? So yeah, it does it does like open my mind a little to say like what am I missing out of this or what what is it? But no, I don't think reviews influence my decision. I either like a movie or I don't or there's things I like about a movie and there's things I don't. But um this movie. So that boils down for this we'll movie. Did you like this. this movie or not? I was not crazy about this movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I know a lot of people liked yeah. it. There were, I have to say, overall, and very simply put, I like the message the movie was trying this, to portray. It's a feel-good movie. I disliked the over-the-top absurdity. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought it was too much. There was too much fighting. There was too much... The absurdity was unnecessarily over-the-top, where it, some parts were funny, but then it was so absurd that it, well, like, it wasn't even funny to me mm-hmm. in parts. Like, I wasn't... I didn't find myself laughing a lot in it, even though except it was for extremely rac- absurd. Except for rack. But even that went on too much. <laughs> At first it was funny, but that even went on too long. <laughs> I think the fact that it went on too long made the bit funnier. But anyway, go on. So I think I always get, and I think I've felt this way in another movie we've seen. Um, you know what? It makes me sad when there is a movie like this that the reviews are so like 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and I'm watching it and I'm like you're part of the 3% so this is what America needs over the top absurd slightly I mean not slightly vulgarity Mm -hmm. and constant violence this is what America needs to love a movie and I've said that about another movie in the past and I'm like, like that's depressing to me. But think about you know broccoli is good. Everybody loves, no one loves, not everybody loves broccoli, but it's good for you, right? Like yeah. the message of this movie is really good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I enjoyed what they were trying to, what but they were But then sometimes to. you know there's the phrase of like, well, this movie is a lot of chocolate covered broccoli. Yeah. Right? Yeah, too much. Like we need to Nobody give you the broccoli, wants, but we're gonna coat it in chocolate. Nobody wants chocolate-covered broccoli. I mean, I guess a lot of people do. No, but they got chocolate. They don't realize it's broccoli. Oh, gotcha. Co- chocolate-covered broccoli. It's kind of just a thing people say. I no, I I agree. There was a lot of um, absurdity in it, and some of it works much better than the others. Yeah, I mean, some pieces. of it was the absurd. I don't mind absurdity. And and I think. But when the absurdity becomes. I don't know. Too much. I well, I think, like. I mean, I think it's just, it's a complicated 
I'll say that. I liked the movie. I didn't love it. It definitely gave me a much greater emotional response than I thought it would by the end. And I think that's probably what most critics are... I haven't, again, I haven't read critic reviews. I've just seen the blanket scores. I cannot... You can't, like, in that movie and having any sort of family connection in your life and not be moved by it. I have to say, I'm moved very easily by movies. Yeah. I didn't have... I was not moved that much by this movie. The, the only part that kind of moved me was the mother-daughter That's connection. That's what I mean. By the end of the mother-daughter... But daughter, even that, I, went, I didn't cry, and I cried no, very no, no, easily. No, it's not... I'm not saying you have to be moved to cry. I'm just saying you definitely feel, like... The emotional weight of this movie. Yeah, no, I, I feel I liked the message of the woman, you know, just her being. I loved the over what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. I liked the fact that this woman is just completely overwhelmed and burdened by all of these things happening in her life between her daughter and the the her dissolving dissolving marriage yeah. and their financial issues and the business and all this. All taking of this care is like of an ailing father. Taking care of an ailing father. All this weight is on this mm-hmm. poor woman's shoulder. And in, in my eyes, this movie is just about a woman losing it. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. You know, she's kind of lost her mind because the pressure is too much. Well, it's just the pressure of dealing with the IRS and paying your it's business taxes. too much. And she can't, It's she's just escaping reality basically mm-hmm. um, and in the end she realizes you know she learns that she can't you know she needs to I don't know what she learns she well, learns I think, I think she gets it's the family rallies around itself yeah the family and it's really I think comes together to be together. Yeah, they become a stronger unit and they embrace each other and, and it's in some ways it's she learns to let go of her stress, I guess. But the other family members kind of see they see her. Well they see her falling apart. Well her struggles and her her um her acceptance of them they kind of see what she's been doing. It's yeah. one of those where, like, yeah, she she turns, she l- learns to let go a little bit and then to also, like, with her daughter, to, like, to follow her daughter versus try to control. Change her daughter, yeah. Um, but all, everybody, I guess the term is everyone turns towards everyone, turns right. towards each In other. In the end, yeah. Which is great. It's a good message. Which is um, a great message. I just, getting there to that okay, message. So I had some thoughts here. Yeah. One, I I agree with you. I think some of it's over the, some of it's too much. Um, but like some of it is this idea of like like your comment early on, like oh, is this what America needs to get the attention? No, because I don't think it was done in that kind of pedestrian, low-hanging fruit style. I think it's a, it's a bit out there for the general audience. Like, one question I had, which was kind of mean, was like, I was like, I don't mean to think this way, but like, does general movie audiences even like 
get not, them Not together. understand the movie, but can they follow it enough? I, I don't think people are interested in just watching the absurdity. Mm. I think it's... I think it is a bit out there and even a bit too um, absurd for broad appeal. Okay. So I think what critics are, are latching on to more are, you know, it's just like this big mismatch of popular culture, mm-hmm. of, of just the changing in society and like the changing of generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Um, even just how the daughter presents herself versus how like the more the, the mother mm-hmm. and the grandfather and the father or what well, the main character yeah the main character's father or the girl's yeah. grandmother Joy's grandmother like she presents the daughter Joy presents herself in all the different multiverses as this sort of extreme over the top um, anime character yeah. Right? Because she's grown up on anime. Right. Right? But the mother is always a bit much more traditional. She's a singer. She's a, 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 right. a traditional... Of her tradi- for her culture. For her culture and heritage, right? And so I think that's it's just there. like Chinese, I guess. And then these are subtle. Yeah. Like, they don't ever come out and say, like, oh, you're this because you feel that way. But it's just there. Um and I think the reactions, and that's why you see a lot of the other people, all the potential lives they could have lived, all the different paths, the decisions. Um, I think it presents this more extreme take uh, on things, right? The extreme mm-hmm. anime character. And even Joy's thing about, right, because she's still sort of, she's still a child, young adult. She equates it all to like an everything bagel, right? Yeah. It's just like it's still that disconnection of life. Well, just like emotionally immature thinking, still. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not like right and easy to give up, right? That's the big difference. It's so easy for the daughter to give up. There's no point in anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus the mother, it's like yeah, there really is no point for a lot of things we do, but that doesn't but mean I'm not going to stop I, trying. I can't give up. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the void and get rid of everything. Right. And so I think all the sort of craziness. And that's hard for her to, the daughter to understand, which that part I did connect with. Like, I mean, just having teenagers and how how you'll do anything for your teenagers, but they seem to not get it how much things affect you and yeah. about what they what they do and how what decisions they make and how much you care and how much you're constantly looking out for them and she definitely so I did connect with that part but and I think all the crazy visuals and all the crazy things even Raccoonatui which is again ridiculous and maybe a bit long and it's joke but even that, it's like a weird distortion of a mispronunciation mm-hmm. the mother makes to which the daughter mocks her. Mocks her, yeah. About it. This whole, like, it's ratatouille. It's not raccoonatouille. Right. But then that raccoonatouille manifests itself later into the film in some other parallel universe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think all that's funny. And, and I like all that. With that being said... I felt a lot of it was tiresome. 
It too. was. I did too. Uh, I thought bits of it were were for very a two and funny. a half hour long movie. But I thought some of it was unnecessarily vulgar and and like it didn't it was not funny at all. Yeah, the whole I mean, the whole two guys with the thing they have mm-hmm. to put the thing up their butt yeah, to yeah, yeah. turn to the next universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, first of all, it was disgusting. Whatever. But if it would have happened and been gone, yeah, fine. yeah, it carried but on. But it, it went on. It went on. And, too on. Long. and that's and some on, of the bits. And, on. and I don't want to see that. Some like, of the bits that are kind of know. funny, or are trying to like get your attention. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the stuff in the film could have been less is more. Like, yeah. The, the effect would have been funny. Um, for less is more. So I agree with that. And one thing I was thinking when I was watching is you don't... I was really enjoying it when they were talking about what the multiverses were and these different decisions you make mm-hmm. and let's show you all the different paths you could have gone in. I really liked all that stuff. I wish I could have gone into the paths more than just like constant fighting and all the paths. Well, then, and then like I said, all of it, all the, it there, there all were a, a bit too many fight scenes. And some of it I get it's the choreographed almost like kung fu movie fight scene, which is a genre of film all in and of itself, which I think this movie definitely leans on that. Leans on and respects and is is making a modernized version of the kung fu movie. Right, right. Which I think is also, it's just a genre it's like those choreographed Jackie Chan that was the last time it was a popular here in America. But and those, again, I those don't Jackie mind Chan a, style a good films. fight scene. But, but we know it's where just, it's choreographed scenes. Right. Um, you know, there was neat stuff when they're fighting in the office or yeah. the IRS building and she's blocking punches with a, a keyboard. And yeah. Like, all that stuff's neat. But again, all the fights, for the most part, are in the IRS building. Yeah. So you run out of that. It kind of wears off. Like, okay, yeah, I've seen another office fight. That part of it wore on me. That went on for, you know, 80% of the movie. I mean, I I thought there could have been, you could do, like, two really good, grandiose fight scenes. Right. Super well choreographed. And do more of showing showing the different universes. Yeah. I mean, I just thought, I just, like, I was thinking, like, tell me more, explore more of this. Exactly. For the first hour of the movie, I was struggling to try to just understood, understand how all the multiverses work. I mean, how they Like, jump. how is this jumping? Where are they at? Who, what's the real reality? And that was a bit distracting. But once that kind of got let go of, um, and I felt the later half of the film was much better than the... Well, really, the first part was really good. I'll say part one I liked, part three I liked, because it's split into three parts. Right, yeah. Part two I was kind of... Yeah. It was just felt more the same, retreading some ground. I agree. I, I just thought there were too many... Too much fighting, too much absurdity. I knew you wouldn't like all the fighting. The absurdity I can appreciate, only, only because it snatched me out of those ongoing prolonged fight scenes and whatnot. 
it would cut to some funny reference from previ previously in the movie. And you're like, oh, I get it. That's funny. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, I, and some of the cuts were nice little breathers. I thought cutting to the, the rocks were fun little absurd things. Again, yeah. it goes on. It's a long bit that it goes does. on. The rock thing goes on. But I, I liked the symbolism of that. Like you can only talk to each other when you can't feel or see each mm -hmm. other. Just like people do in texting. They can mm -hmm. only say what they want to say. Yeah. In words when they can't see someone's face and they can't feel anything, like an unfeeling rock. That's like from a Greek myth, by the way. Yeah. But um so I, I liked that symbolism that metaphor as well but again I, I again it went on too long yeah. it was like, oh, like okay and, and you know and hot dog fingers was fun um, it was gross I, I did not like that part of it I just thought that was like <laughs> way over the top like what is the point in that like that seemed out of place to me that didn't mm -hmm. seem well in, in, in to my feeling is if you're accepting of a movie where there's all these different universes, multiverses, parallel dimensions, whatever you want to call it, that you exist in, which is, the, I think, the fascinating part of this, right? About all the little micro-choices you make. Mm -hmm. Each one leads you to, could leads lead you to, you to a different else. life And then you get further general. and further, and the further away you get is the more absurd things get. Right, right. So right. that's where hot dog fingers come in. You're yeah. just, and, but again, that bit pays off later. When they, and again, it was, it was one of those moments. That's why I love part three of this movie so much out of anything. It pays it off with the whole feet. Deal. See, I thought that was too much. <laughs> I was like, okay, enough with the hot dog fingers. Like, okay, hot dog fingers in the no, universe, but, 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 that's but, but, funny, but saw, whatever. No, but you saw the point. And again, we'll say like mild spoilers for part three of the movie here. Um, the third act. But it pays off the whole hot dog bit. Right? Because of the When Jamie thing. Lee Curtis starts playing the piano with her feet. And Evelyn, the, the mother, says, because she's in a kind of life and death situation. Yeah. She's like, you learn to be good with, it's okay. Life is okay no matter what bad thing happens to you. No matter what. You adapt. Negativeness you have. Well, you find things to love and embrace and you find things that you're good at. Even with hot dog fingers. Even with hot dog fingers. You learn to be good with your feet. Yeah. And then it turns out to help her. And you're like, okay. So the hot dog fingers like, had okay, its reason. So what I didn't like about the hot dog fingers thing was then the mustard coming out of the okay, mouth. That and was then silly. Like, that was disgusting. That was like what I mean, like it's take it too far. Okay. I can even accept the hot dog universe finger thing. <laughs> But then with all the mustard spilling out of their mouths and but all that. But that was that on was, the that was on the TV show. I know, but it was thing. it was too much. It was too much. But I did love I did love that payoff. Because that once stuff like that starts happening, I just am like out. I'm like, okay. Why why? Yeah. So, so, so I think some of the, the, the critical love this gets is because of that for me, I can see it as that act three yeah. payoff. Yeah, everything yeah. does for something up. for something that is so everything out there all at once and chaotic and crazy. 
It does wrap up nicely it all in connects, the end. Yeah. Which, again, the movie shows you repeatedly that these universes are connected. And it does connect it. And so that was one thought I had was, you know, sometimes we're trained, like, I mean, I've heard stories, right? When they test screen movies, or maybe they've done this in the past, where they ask you every 10 minutes, like, do you like the film? Do you not like the film? Do you mm -hmm. like, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they kind of gauge these data points of where does the film start to lose people's interest? And they, yeah. they punch it up, right? But sometimes, like in the message of the movie, right? If you're not good at everything, the things you are good at, you embrace. So even while I was watching and got to part three, I thought, sometimes you have to go through, like, maybe we needed all this other malaise and over-bloated fighting and absurdity to really appreciate this family's story struggle more now okay you well, can have you can have a drama like I said you can have a because we've seen dramas and comedies and yeah I mean you could do the movie differently yeah and tell the same emotional story but would we pay as much attention to it well it made me feel exhausted and then that's yeah. how she felt yeah. she felt exhausted by yeah. like this all is, of it this she is was all, exhausted yeah, all the crap she's just this is just life she was tired of it and, the, and her going through all these multiverses to get to where she could figure out how to get her family back together. And her business and her and life. Her business and, and, the and, regret of, and the regret of following her husband. her husband at a young age. And like, would her life have been different? And, and how to accept all that. You know, it was exhausting. His life would have been different and... Her life would have been different. His life would have been different. Everybody would have been different. And she thinks, like, I would have been better off without him is the reality of what well, she kept feeling. Well, that was one feeling. thought she had, yeah. yeah. What she kept thinking, yeah. And um, then, but he was struggling with those thoughts, too. Because he wanted to divorce her, yeah. As I'm saying, like, sometimes do you have to fully love and enjoy what you're watching the whole time? And... So I think when you get to the end and you're like, okay, I really appreciate these people now and this family and this situation. And, and I see all the life connections between like family and children and marriage and all of it. Like parents. And like even like the grandfather was accepting at the end. Like it was just interesting, right? And so I'm like, oh, do you need. Maybe you need to go through all that and not love it, not love the first two hours of this film. In order right? to understand it. In the end. And then as you get it, so that's kind of where I ended up. was like, I didn't love it, but I, I was like, yeah, I liked what I was trying to do. It's probably something to watch again at some point. Mm -hmm. and, um, and maybe, you know, get like a stronger feeling about it. But I appreciate something that's, like, different and wacky. Yeah, I appreciate it. I and I'm glad it just wasn't superficial. Like, yeah, I, no, that's kind of I, what the trailer made me I, think was. I think was. it was memorable. It was a more superficial film. 
Mm-hmm. And this is like, no, this is really, it really is a heartfelt film. Yeah, it was definitely memorable. It's definitely I different. thought everybody's performances were like top notch. Everybody's performances were good. Would I want to watch it again? Me, probably not. So the, no, because of all the... Yeah, some of the absurdity was the vulgarity and the, the fighting was just too much for me. I don't want to look forward to watching that again. But I can appreciate what you're saying about the message <laughs> and the actors and all of that. I... My can big wonder is my I big can wonder is that it's a ninety-seven percent. But for me personally, not something I would want to like. like I, watch yeah, again. that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a ninety-seven percent because it's just all the fighting and crazy. I think yeah. it's a ninety-seven percent because it makes sense of all that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, it wasn't a terrible watch, but there was a couple points that I was just like. No, I would. Uh, would I would I like to see a, heck, even just a two-hour version instead of two hours and twenty minutes? Yeah. I think even just two you hours could cut some of that would be out. really, really, yeah. really a little tighter. I would really like and it and probably funnier. Yeah, because you wouldn't have lost. E- even some of the ra- funny. Not even Raccoonatui. I love the fact that it's a terrible robotic raccoon. raccoon. <laughs> it's not a nice CG raccoon. If it was a really nice CG raccoon, it wouldn't be as funny. Yeah, no, it was not. No, it was not. A I love unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 that was one of my favorite parts of that movie I was know. the raccoon. I, I, I knew that, yeah. <laughs> Just because I knew, okay, this movie truly is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, but I did. I did like it by the end. I, I, mean, did. I, I thought it comical that she puts her 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 daughter as like the monster. Yeah. Like teenage daughters are like no, monsters. No, I, I was hilarious when it was just oh the daughter is is, is the evil is, is the evil in the universe. She's like someone has taken over my daughter, which is what every parent thinks. Yeah. Someone has taken over yeah. my teenager, like a monster has taken them over, and they are not themselves. You know, they I'm don't. Not, they've lost was... themselves completely because they are evil and no. mean. And when yeah, she thought... was talking to her, like you. You know, you're on your phone all the time. I call you. You never call, text me back. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, every parent thinks that. No, I thought it was great. I thought, yeah, I, I thought the mother-daughter dynamic is at the core of this film, which was really good. And the husband and wife part, which the first half of the movie dealt much more on the husband and wife part. And that's what I really liked. There was a really strong parallel. Even when we would cut to some of the multiverse stuff. Even the dialogue would sync up really well. Like they were having these multi-layered conversations, right? Yeah. He's talking about the the alpha husband is talking about the multiverse and the danger and all this. And when they cut back to reality, they're he's you know the husband and wife are talking about their marriage and divorce and yeah and fun and being growing apart and all this. And then it cuts back to the multiverse stuff. And, and Which it, is why I think, it, it, like... It works so well. And the movie just sort of loses itself in the middle. And I think, I kept thinking, like, in real life, is she is is she having this conversation with her husband about getting divorced? And she is just snapping out of reality because yeah, she can't could, handle... 
Well, that's and that what was nice, even though, it's, even though there's the shot that shows the glass breaking yeah. and her face in the different universes. Yeah, you could easily, even though it's meant to show her in the different universes, you could easily say like, "Oh, that's her cracking," right? Over trying to be all things, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I can appreciate that. And I like the idea of, you know, her feeling that she's not good at anything, and there's right. even that thing. That, the stuff when you know and the disappointment of being a daughter um, to her father, mm-hmm. and um, but you know they even talk about we we picked you because you're not good at anything like right. that's why you're the person to help save it all you're not good at a, a single thing and then obviously they deal with that by the end of the movie mm-hmm. back to the feet and hot dog fingers yeah. but um, no it was a little bit of a surprise for me how much. That, that I that I liked it as much as I did. Like I said, I didn't love it, but yeah. So I, what I'll be curious to me is if this ends up on your on your bottom five mm, next the, year at the end of the year, and we'll, we'll end up in my top see. five. Who knows? Right? Maybe. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna end up in your top five. I don't think it's gonna end up in your bottom five. Maybe not. I mean, the thing is, if a movie is memorable not going to end up in my bottom five because it's memorable enough for me to for you know this movie is memorable because it's different no it's not one of those movies like what was that movie about the people climbing up the mountain and whatever you know you're not saying that like what was that you know there's like a Megan Fox Angelina Jolie movie what was that movie (laughs) were they the same movie no you know that's a bottom five movie I got Where you're just like, uh, I hardly remember what happened in that movie, you know? This is not that, for sure. But to me, I wasn't like leaving the theater feeling like, oh, that was like a enjoyable experience. There were parts of it that I was just like, eh, okay, whatever. Yeah. But I had fun with you at the theater watching it. I, it was, I had fun seeing it. when It, it wasn't was, a waste of time. No, it was fun. One of those, like, hey, we got this monthly movie pass. What's Let's playing right now it. at this moment? And you could do a lot worse than everything, everywhere, oh, yeah. all at once. Absolutely. I like that. What I appreciate, too, is I'm hopeful that younger people will see this who maybe aren't, like, fully into film, but see it and be like, oh, wow, that's a kind of a bonkers movie. Mm-hmm. And start digging a little deeper into it and liking it and kind of expanding their horizons. Because yeah. I think it takes no, films like that that push the push boundaries. The envelope. yeah. To kind of open people's eyes to the possibility of film. And that's one thing I did appreciate about this as well. Kind of like when we s- talked about Blue Velvet last episode. Mm-hmm. It's another one that's kind of out there, pushes the boundaries. And you either love it or you hate it. Right. And if you see it at the right time in your life, like that impressionable thing, it might be like, oh, wow, there's more to film than superheroes, than Spider-Man's jumping in out of multiverses. Right, right. Right? True. Um, so. That's true. True. I agree. Yeah. Okay. That was good. Yeah. We had a good time. Okay. We'll do our cheers. I drank all mine. AP, I have you not. did not. I've been talking too much. So I know you had so many good things to say about uh, <laughs> this. Well, 
I don't know. I'm just a sipping. Yeah. Oh, just and so what we'll do is, excuse me, we will um, wrap this up and you can hear 15 minutes of a conversation about Blue, Blue Velvet. Velvet. Another off the wall movie. Yeah, which we said we both like. I think where this one picks up, we're talking about Laura Dern's character and how um, we didn't, or maybe not. David maybe we're Lynch talking about him. Isabella Rossellini. I don't know. Yeah, I think it hurt about how she's like, oh, how she just sort of like flocks to Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that anyway, was bothersome to us. We just come in talking about them. Okay. All right, so it's to our cheers. Yeah, cheers. Listen to that part if you want. If not, <laughs> um, you don't have to. Yeah, but this is fun. In the dream, there was our world, and the world was dark because there weren't any robins, and the robins represented love. And for the longest time, there was just this darkness and all of a sudden thousands of robins were set free and they flew down and brought this blinding light of love and it seemed like that love would be the only thing that would make any difference Yeah, it bothered me that she was, you know, jumping from being raped to being so needy and constantly wanting, even though she's been traumatized by men and that she was so needy for men all constantly. But yeah. that's, like we said, part of her disturbing, you know. And I think it's the, the trauma. Trauma. And how deeply trauma she was. On the... Um, on the opposite side, though, I thought it was initially you could look at it one way. It's almost like a little like comical, like what's going on. It's mm -hmm. Kyle McLaughlin like jumping from woman to woman, too. He is. Yeah. No, I know. It's like his first season in love. It's with like he doesn't know if he Isabella. wants the good girl or well, to wants, be into. He wants both. He wants both. Doesn't, but, I mean, yeah. I think every man wants both. Right. But I think he's <laughs> deep down. Yeah. You want the good girl that's like wifey and perfect, and then you want some mm -hmm. your sexual desires to be satisfied in in whatever those dark ways are. The, the not you. I'm not talking about you. No, I'm no, I know you're speaking about the like general you. In general, those morbid yeah. curiosities. Right. Exactly. And Isabella Rossellini, which you're right, her, represents. You mentioned that. earlier, Dorothy is her name. Um, her and then Sandy by Laura Dern. Um, one of my scenes I did like was when she starts realizing that there's, when they're all together, mm -hmm. and there's the naked Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, um, her reaction I thought was great. Just so yeah. like, what's going on here? Like, she's realizing that there's something dark. And Kyle's just like, 
that that she Caught he wasn't he wasn't bringing her in on even though she was helping him with the investigation mm-hmm. he wasn't letting her in on what actually is happening when he goes into yeah, what the did dark he say? world when, when the first time when he had that first interaction with her and saw the rape and he's talking to Sandy on the phone and she's like how did it go last night and he says something like it was okay it went all right <laughs> And then a lot of people in the theater chuckled. Yeah. Like, yeah, it did. <laughs> um, no, the, the one thing I'll say is kind of... the. So I think with that, I think with that situation, a lot of situations, you have to take it that, like, painting approach, the visual approach. Mm-hmm. It's sort of... If you do start trying to think about the plot and the narrative, I mean... Too much. films just don't have a solid right. narrative. Right. follow it's it not completely... It's not, they're not necessarily good screenplays at all. They're, they're good direction. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think this one, I mean, we're just speaking off the top of my head. This one either got best picture or best director, but not both. It got oh, one, did it? He, okay. he only got one of those nominations, but he did get that for this. Hmm. Um, one of the things I, the other thing I talk about that you mentioned with the acting at the beginning. Mm hmm. Is they're playing Beck. Wow, yeah. I love that song. We haven't heard this in a long time. <laughs> I like the song. Um, we talked a little bit about the uh, the awkward phrasing and, and pausing and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I th- like I said, I think that's intentional with the way he directs his actors. The other thing he does, which I really like, is the over the top emotional responses. Oh yeah. Like Dennis Hopper's character, which is Frank, by the way, is his name was. He's constantly like at eleven. He's just yelling everything and he that's says. Just, that's part of his crazy. Drops the f bomb constantly. He's just crazy. He might talk one moment and then he's like screaming, screaming at the top the of his moment. lungs. And you know that's one of those like bigger, bigger, bigger. And he's also like bigger. inhaling the nit. Yeah, that nitrous. Which and makes just, him over the top. But at the same time, there's these scenes that you could almost say are cringy. If you're not in the moment, when like, especially when Laura Dern and Kyle McLaughlin, I think they're in his car and they're talking and the music, it's, you know, there's strings and it's all like sentimental music. Mm-hmm. And she's just talking about hope and love and it's something about when the robins come and oh, okay. when the robins are gone. And it's, she's like almost a little teary eyed and how McLaughlin is, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. a, it's over sentimental. Right, right. But it's meant to be. Like, it's saccharine, it's over yeah. the top, and, like, there's always this sort of soup, uh, soap opera element mm-hmm. to things. Yes, yeah, for sure. It's how Twin Peaks is, too. But yeah. I really like it when of those moments. You like it's that. Like, it's like, lay on the sap, lay it on, lay it on, lay it on. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's because as sappy as he does, he also goes like deep, deep dark because <laughs> you're like yeah. kind of shocked by what's happening on the screen. But then it goes complete opposite to like sappy and yeah, like I said, over sentimental. And I look at him as not true to life emotional performances you see in a movie. Right, right. But I see them as more deep down at their core how people feel about 
those things in those moments with all sort of pretensions stripped bare, right? It's at your core. It's like, well, if I'm really going to be cringy and cheesy and idealistic and hopeful, this is what I would sound like. But no one really allows themselves to talk that way, except in David Lynch's dialogue. Yeah, you can't really figure out if what's happening in the dark dark part of it is real or not, too. Mm-hmm. Because, or as extreme, or what, like you said, as over the top. Because, like, when he gets beat up the next mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. and his face is all mangled, the next day his face is fine. Yeah, I think some of that just might be kind of And when he gets ears. cut at the beginning, yeah. like, a couple hours oh. later... His Dorothy cut. puts the knife to his face. Face, yeah. and he has that cut, and then the next day he wakes up, and yeah. it's gone. It's gone, I know. Is that, like, meaning, like, this dark world is part of his fantasy? It's not really happening? It could be, but or I it, think it's... Or is it just part of filming? I think some yeah. of that's the continuity. And that's, like I said, I think if you look at these films, people could pick right. that stuff apart. Right, right, right. Um, but if you're just sort of like... I like didn't know. Like, it almost seemed purposeful. It was so, like... I mean, I see anything in these in this film. It's like, it's all just part of a dreamscape. Like right, Once that's you enter I mean. the ear and that's you leave I mean. the ear, who knows right. what's that's real, what I mean. what's not Is real. Is that showing that it's, it's not as extreme Yeah. as it's being portrayed? And it could be. I don't know. Um, it was just a thought. Because I was like, what? He's not beat up anymore. Yeah. No, but I just feel like even later in the movie, near the end, when Lord Dern and Kyle MacLachlan are like expressing their love for each other mm-hmm. again, it's like somehow without laying all the groundwork for building up believable relationships or falling in love, I think he has these like touching Mm-hmm. He somehow manages to get these touching moments. And you kind of believe it. You're yeah. like, maybe they are in love. And it's, I think it just somehow captures the spirit of that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Even so much Twin Peaks season three, there's that, like, the powerful um, love connection between those the two characters, um, mm-hmm. Ed and yeah. Arlene or whoever, mm-hmm. um, in the diner. Now, granted, that was like 25 years of building of a relationship. <laughs> but it was still that moment. It was just like perfectly mm-hmm. in that one little scene. And I don't know. This is somehow he does it. And so I thought I really enjoyed this watching of Blue Velvet. Good. Um, and it did kind of put it into my mind like this is a, this might be. One of the greats. Well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> saying this is, might just be like a David Lynch movie that I really like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I remember and kind of revisit from time to time. I really liked it. His style is still hard for me. Like, I, I can't it's say it's most. one of my favorite types of movies. No, no. I enjoy seeing things that I know you enjoy, and I liked it more than I thought I was going to. But I do have to say it's definitely not my favorite type for genre of movie. I mean, I guess it's its own genre, right? Well, I guess. <laughs> but I think it was fun to see a classic movie like that at Tampa Theater. Well, and you bring like up a that good whole point. atmosphere was good. Both times I've seen this film, it's been in a theater of sorts, mm-hmm. right? Not an AMC style Carmike movie theater that's mm-hmm. really nice. I think this movie is best when it's at 
some public showing that yeah, it's it a little uncomfortable s s setting where you're sitting. It's not like you're propped up reclining seats. It's not a, your right, house right. where you have distractions. I think it was made in 1986. It has the, has elements and the feels of like the fifties and sixties in there as mm -hmm. well within the 1980 mm -hmm. context. Cause even like the ambulances and all that they use are like, they weren't using that in 86 anymore. No. They yeah. Moved on. Yeah. 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 Um, the fire trucks. But I, like, I think, I think the setting helps the viewing of this movie a lot. And I think if you sit on your couch, it's, it's a different also experience. not going to ring true. Yeah. And it's also like a cult, like you say, a cult classic, I guess mm -hmm. like that. It's nice to see it in a theater with other people that are appreciating it or, you know, enjoying it. Yeah. We were in a theater with 30 plus other individuals. That were also into it. We're all like there. Like clapping at the end and They'd either laughing. Either they were exploring it for the first time because they had a, a morbid curiosity or uh -huh. they were fans of it and seen it again. Like my favorite part. <laughs> I mean, obviously these dudes sitting a little to our left. It's a big theater, Tampa Theater. Uh -huh. um, I don't think they'd ever seen it before. They're a little younger than us. I think they're in their 20s. A little. But when Kyle McLaughlin is leaving... Dorothy's apartment and then right around the corner Dennis Hopper oh, yeah. and his goon yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, those, and they know how crazy Dennis Hopper is yeah. <laughs> and they're just like uh -oh. oh shit oh, oh, oh. <laughs> they were literally like <laughs> oh, freaking out Yeah. which I thought was funny that was fun so it is the energy of seeing mm -hmm. in that context mm -hmm. is um, ideal I guess for a movie like that so that's, that's my feeling for if this sure. shows up again in like a theater showing I would make every effort to see it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where it it works. For sure. Definitely. And I'm sure when it was made, I mean, granted, that was that was truly the, the only vision of where it would be. Yeah, the yeah. expectation of how viewers would consume it. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. So hey, hey. <laughs> Got some friends. Yeah. Um, popping up. This corner club's picking up. I know. Well, I was going to tell you, there's a lot more people inside now. You gonna tell me, can, can you tell me that after the podcast? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that later. <laughs> Shut up. All right. So let's wrap up. Um, we started working on our 1990 films. We are. I was going to say, I think we were a little too ambitious saying it would be every month we would do a, a new A different year. decade or year. year. We're just still going to move forward, mm -hmm. but it might be about two months. Two months, yeah, probably, because we still have two more movies gotta to watch, watch from 1990 and, and Pretty Woman. Um, we have watched. We Dances got with we Wolves. got a little behind because the Oscars. The Oscars. The Oscars. We probably should have started it in April. No, I, I think it's fine. We'll just kind of go at our pace. Yeah. I think this sets a new tone. Yeah. An expectation. Mm -hmm. It's just our ongoing goal. Yeah. So when we finish those, which might be within the next episode or two. Mm -hmm. We'll do our 1990 episode. Yeah. Of our five feature films, See. including Dances with Wolves. Right. There. We've, we've watched three. We have two to go. Yeah. So that's coming. I don't mm -hmm. know what our next one will be. Um, but that's that. Okay. That was good. So I got to see how really many. really fun atmosphere. We'll probably do this again. We will. We'll definitely. We'll have Maybe to see how many people are inside. barbecue. <laughs> do it at night. Well, that's <laughs> the. If you listen back to our previous Corner Club know, episode. they did barbecue that day, too. They suckered us in. We said we're going to we come, back, come for back for barbecue, and we did. We're not going to do that today, but... You might not. I oh might be hanging God. out with all these people inside. 
I hear those. I hear there's a lot of people in there. <laughs> there are some people inside. Well, before it was like just us and one other no, table. No, we showed up. We were in that in between of breakfast was wrapping up, lunch had yet to start. But <laughs> your sarcasm. <laughs> Not being serious. <laughs> Not a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I guess let's cheers. Our coffee cups are empty. Coffee cups are empty. And um, time until to move next on time. to a beer. All right. Bye. Cheers. Bye. bye. Oh.